Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7 of The Moose Lodge, where the wheels are always spinning. I'm your host, Chris Feria, and today I will be joined once again by Daniel Ahn to discuss assistive technology with disabilities. Welcome, welcome again, Daniel Ahn. You, you're now the second uh, guest in the Moose Lodge podcast, the first one to repeat. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me on again, and I hope this is uh, the first or second of many. Yes. So, Daniel, could you describe your background in assistive technologies and what describe what you can offer individuals with disabilities with your background in assistive technology? I have a certificate from California State University Northridge ATACP program, and this three-month certificate taught me about the different technologies, high-tech, low-tech technologies from communication devices to Dragon Naturally Speaking, uh, JAWS screen readers for individuals who are blind or who need uh their screen to be enlarged. I also uh, worked with uh, my friend, uh, Susan Schulter, who uh, was a professor at the local community college up until recently. And uh, she had shown me a lot of her um, devices from GPS devices. Uh, it's called Sedenko. It's a GPS device for those who are blind. Uh, Probably, right? Yes. He was my English 1C teacher, which is an advanced English course at West Valley College. What an inspiration to so many different people. He really is. really is. So if you could take a minute, Daniel, to, with your vast amount of experience in adaptive technology, could you take a minute to explain how you've seen the realm of adaptive technology change over the years, specifically with things like you just mentioned, like, Google Maps or Android devices or GPS and those kind of things? Well, back in 2007, I don't think many of us were using smartphones, and it seems so long ago, but it doesn't seem that long ago. I got, no. Yeah, I got my first smartphone, I would say about six years ago, the real good Android phone, and uh, I also tried the Microsoft phone as well. And what I like about these cell phones is it's easy to use the Google Maps, Siri, Google Assistant uh, without having to do much interaction with the keyboard. I understand some people have issues using the keyboard, especially with a physical disability. So I like to speak to it um, to get directions, the weather, um, you know, set an appointment, for instance. It really saves time. And did you know, Chris, that Google Duplex, you can make uh, reservations to a restaurant automatically. It's not widespread right now, but they're still pushing it forward. But it's really cool. The device will automatically make the reservation in a clear, automated voice using OpenTable. And that can save a lot of time for anyone with visual impairments or those with physical disabilities like cerebral palsy. Oh, I didn't know that, but I'll have to, I'll have to take a look in, into that. But given given your given those type of things, given how it's a, the field of assistive technology is advancing now, can you take a minute to speak to speak on 
how how you think the the advancements are necessarily you know in terms of communication devices which i know you're interested in how those can be beneficial as well well dynavox has the t10 and also a compass app for the ipad and android I believe um, they're expanding it to more ecosystems as we speak here. And these devices are great if you cannot produce language. There's people with autism who have a wonderful expressive language, um, you know, but then there's some who cannot express themselves well, and they have what's called receptive language. So they can understand what you're saying, but they cannot express themselves. So people with cerebral palsy and those um, maybe with dysphagia um, cannot really produce uh, words because of their motor skills in their um, speech uh, production area of the brain aren't working. These devices allow you to communicate. So there's different pages, whether you're going to a restaurant, in school, Oh, and it's wonderful for ABA, which stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. So that way you can teach the person uh, behavioral things. Let's say they get upset because we're not going out to dinner. So you have to redirect them to say, yes, we can have your same preferred foods, but at home. Without this device, there could be lots of uh, tantrums. I've heard of um, kids screaming, punching, kicking, you name it. Um, breaking down doors at their homes, but these devices have really opened up their um, speech production. I've even seen it used uh, for text messaging. Um, so someone that cannot speak can use it for um, text messaging with Siri or Google Assistant, and it will take it from the speech of the uh, device right to uh, the cell phone, which I think is a really great tool, and I wish more people would um, look into this. Right, Daniel, you bring up a good point there, and that is that a lot of people with disabilities are sometimes nonverbal, which means the parent or the caregiver would sometimes have to step in to speak for them or lead the charge as to what they want or don't want, spread the message. So can you speak to how assistive technology or what advice you would have to give to a parent in regards to their kid being maybe nonverbal or maybe a care, how a caregiver can assist through assistive technology? Wonderful point, Chris. And let me address that. Uh, so, uh, you know, what we're trying to teach the child is they have a voice. Uh, sometimes when a child or even adult with this uh, speech disability goes to the doctor, they can say what is hurting them. Without the device, who would know what's hurting them? And just because they can't speak does not mean they're smart. They are very smart. And that's what people forget, that they have a voice, they have an IQ. And these devices are just augmenting what we have today. Um, in the old days, they'd be using these picture uh, exchange and other different uh, ways of communicating. But with these communication devices, it's quick, it's easy for the caregiver or the parent to add pages, to leave pages, switch it around um, with training. Dynavox has different training sessions online and also at their site as well. And a lot of school districts, I think, are going to be implementing this. So with assistive technology, the second part of your question, which is also good, uh, there are uh, lots of 
ways you can look at it. Um, they have an analysis uh, through a school district, a speech pathologist, uh, occupational therapist, that they can say what is the best assistive technology for your child uh, or for yourself. If you are a adult, uh, for instance, like you, Chris, uh, there might be some new devices that we don't really realize is out there until we can get a personalized analysis of your specific needs. You're exactly right, Daniel. Well, if we think of the future and we think of the cost analysis that's involved, a lot of newer parents or new caregivers or anything, a lot of these devices are so expensive. So can you speak to maybe that, the cost-benefit analysis or maybe some low-cost adaptive technology that may be of assistance here? Uh, sure. And you know, the Department of Rehab, Chris, uh, can support a lot of these devices or a lot of these uh, students or adults are members of different organizations like Social Security, Disability. Uh, there are financing available through grants. So you can apply to a grant uh, for these devices, low-tech uh, devices could be simple, like Dragon Naturally Speaking, about $70. Uh, you can speak to the computer, and it will translate that uh, into text from your speech uh, to the text. Now, those aren't 100% reliable, and there will be mistakes, but it does save time when writing those long essays. Uh, also, some other low-tech devices Maybe you could uh, have on the computer with the internet. Uh, there's free games that you could play. Uh, there's a lot of free things online. You could just Google assistive technology. Uh, read Please is free, which will actually read your emails to you and so forth. So I think there are a lot of low-tech things out there, but it's the user that really has to see if it works for them, because a lot of these devices can be expensive. Uh, but to offset the cost, school districts sometimes will purchase the device and then let you borrow it. I know school districts let you borrow laptops, so I wouldn't be surprised that you could borrow these uh, Dynavox T10s, and sometimes it will be donated. So there are a lot of ways to access these important, vital assistive technology devices. So you bring up a good point here, Daniel, and that is the school districts sometimes have to step in and help out, you know, with assistive technology. So what recommendations would you make for the school districts, community college, and universities in regards to the Disabled Student Services Program, as well as the Americans with Disabilities Act to improve handicap accessible um, technology for disabilities in 2020 and beyond? Well, 2020 is here today, and I've seen there's still buildings when they show the handicap sign, the door doesn't open without the button. You have to physically open the door. So there's a lot of these different things that we can do, like soap dispensers. We can have automated soap dispensers. Uh, we can have more integration with this disability and educational support programs where high schools, once you age out of high school at 22, there would be 
training programs, and Saratoga High School here in the local community has a post-secondary program, which makes the transition wonderful for these students. Uh, you know, you can actually stay into the special education program until you're 22 based upon evaluations. And the post-secondary programs are wonderful ways to learn about assistive technology. Community-based instruction is really important. How do you navigate the community? Public transportation, going to the store, learning about mobile ordering, especially in today's world. Mobile ordering is at the forefront. Uh, teach the student with this transit app how to track the bus, pay the fare using the mobile app. We are blessed to be in 2020 with these mobile apps. However, there's still a long ways to go with the Americans with Disabilities Act, and I think they need to rewrite the act every five years uh, because a lot of the uh, statements seem not to apply to everyone and people think that they are covered by the act but then we notice discrimination and that is really hurtful to me to learn that someone was discriminated against because of their disability and it does happen in 2020 and i still don't understand why is there this blatant discrimination against people with disabilities. For instance, drive-throughs. How can someone with a disability that can't drive use the drive-through at Starbucks? Uh, you know, this is coming up today with the coronavirus, or if you have low vision or in a wheelchair and the store's closed. Well, there are lawsuits that are trying to push for a special accessible window. And it's not here today. I don't know why without the excessive uh, assistive technology why we don't have this order window where you can place your order. Well, Daniel, you bring up an interesting perspective there, and that is the ADA is a great thing, but it's it's very old and it needs to be re-looked at about every five years. So how can assistive technology help make that environment in the educational field and other areas the ADA may deal with uh, least restrictive, especially when we consider that a lot of people with disabilities are mainstreamed in classes as well, and they have to be in classes with their able-bodied peers and still be able to use assistive technology. Chris, that's wonderful that you bring this up. The least restrictive environment means non-disabled peers and disabled peers can study together. And this is being pushed more in the special education department, especially in resource, because there is a statement on the IEP, I don't know if you've read your IEPs, Chris, that says, how will the student be placed in the least restrictive environment? Mainstreaming classes are wonderful ways for students with disabilities to learn with their non-disabled peers. And they really want to learn with their non-disabled peers and be just like them. Don't single them out. Don't make them different. Uh, you can have uh, a session where maybe either the parent or the student and parent can come to the classroom and give a presentation before the school year starts. So that way the students with disabilities can understand uh, how they can work in the classroom and the non-disabled peers can understand how they could support them and be their friends. And I've seen this wonderful on House of Brown, which I will be discussing later on in this podcast, how Megan, the mother of Lincoln, a 10-year-old boy with cerebral palsy, is mainstreamed. And Megan keeps saying, let Lincoln lead the way, meaning let your child lead the way. You will never understand what is possible, but if they can lead the way, 
they will show you their challenges involved. And of course, being part of this program doesn't mean services will stop. There's pull-out services uh, for speech pathology, for pragmatics, and so forth. So don't think that the special education services will stop, but there's 504 plans that would let uh, the students be pulled out maybe to a resource study hall or a smaller lunch period. Uh, whatever the accommodations needs to be reasonable. You don't want to make an unreasonable accommodation, like a limousine will pick up your son to take them to school or to take them to the local college. That ain't happening, my friend. <laughs> hey, it has to be reasonable, right? But then a lot of these uh, situations we are discussing today are in the are in the common classroom. By that I mean the common subjects: English, math. Um, social studies, all the all those kind of common subjects. So, can you explain for a minute how uh, adaptive technology or assistive technology can be used in the PE or specifically the adapted PE realm? That's another great question, Chris. And uh, before you enroll in the adaptive PE program, let's say at a community college, meet with the instructor of the program and explain that <laughs> these uh, students. We think they might not need the assistive tech devices, but there are some students with communication devices as part of their wheelchair or uh, just a standalone device. Uh, perhaps you want to download the chart uh, for your exercise program onto the computer so they can fill it out because there are students where handwriting is very difficult and uh, laborious. So I would say, Whatever the student's uh, IEP is or 504, the Disability Education Support Program, the coordinator of that program could talk with the adaptive PE instructor on the accommodations that they can make. And the adaptive PE instructors I've found are very accommodating. They're wonderful to work with. Uh, they will make an individualized exercise program and they will ensure that each student is welcomed with open arms. That's a great, great point, Daniel. Every time I've advocated for myself or had my parent go with me and I've actually had those meetings beforehand, they really, really help a lot. I think of, I think of that time when you and I were in the same adapt PE class with Joan and Patty and how much those meetings with them one-on-one -on -one helped and how much they created an individual plan for all of us. So that, that is a really, really good point. Right, but I wanted to bring up your parent will always be with you. So teaching self-advocacy at a young age is super important. Like when you go to the doctor's office, teach the child how to check in. Say, hello, my name is Daniel, and I'm here to see Dr. So-and-so. Uh, learn uh, how do you give money at the supermarket because parents won't always be with you. And that's why community-based instruction is so important. And a life skills coach is also very important. Of course, you have a roommate that assists you, but it's always good to learn uh, how to advocate for yourself. And I think it's never too uh, early to start that. I completely agree. The person with a disability knows themselves best, as we all do, and so therefore they can be their best advocate. So what advice would you give to a parent for an individual with a disability that may need to use assistive technology or some of these platforms in the future? Well, the first part of your question is 
really important. And I would tell a parent, don't be afraid. Try new things because you don't know. Uh, for instance, I've seen on different blogs where parents are letting their son or daughter play with their iPhone or iPad and looking at different YouTube channels. Uh, their communication skills are growing because of assistive technology. And who would have ever thought YouTube? YouTube is an excellent free source for assistive technology. There's wonderful videos on how to do just about everything. And there's many different subjects that parents and children can engage in, from reading to music videos to dancing to physical education at home to try new things. And I really wouldn't discount uh, YouTube. Also, what I would tell the parent is if you have questions, join a support group. Um, there are other parents, I'm sure, in your child's uh, community that are having the same questions as you are. And then you can all approach the school to see if maybe there can be an assistive technology director or at a community college. There's also these support groups for adults as well. And this director of assistive technology, which is usually part of the disability student services, can work with you to see what can be done, like scanning in textbooks, scanning in uh, different homework assignments and so forth. And having a peer to assist you is always nice to study with a peer. Maybe they could take notes for you. And that's another great source as well. You bring up a good point, Daniel. And uh, today we've talked about the educational field with, with adaptive technology or assistive technology, whatever word we want to use about it, and also the home life. But how can uh, major tech corporations such as Google, Apple or Microsoft incorporate assistive technology into their platforms. And do you see in the future maybe a cell phone or a specific product that will be geared towards assistive technology for those with individuals with disabilities or those who need it? Well, Chris, I actually met another cool guy named Daniel in my adaptive PE class this last semester. And he is working with his uh, brother, Stanford, to work with Google on accessible devices with wheelchairs uh, so that way you can uh, avoid hitting the curb and falling over. So with technologies like Google and Apple, I think having a consumer assistive technology form where you can talk about the issues you're having and then go back to the drawing board uh, is a very important way to incorporate the end user, um, you know, the quality assurance team sometimes doesn't realize because they don't have a disability themselves. So hiring people with disabilities is a great start uh, because here in 2020, we're going more into AI technology. Uh, we're going to have more robots controlling the homes. Uh, Nest is going to be controlling all your lights, sprinkler systems, alarm systems, cameras, you name it. It's a wonderful time to be alive with the technology. Uh, another thing that companies could do is have uh, fairs uh, at accessibility fairs, like at the Santa Clara Convention Center. They can be a presenter or a vendor and talk with the people that use their devices the most. And I'm sure uh, Apple can donate these devices to schools like they have been doing. I applaud the efforts of companies like Apple and Microsoft and Google that 
work at a local community level. So those are some of the ways that we can work um, to make these companies comply with the ADA and the technology accessibility as well. Right, I, I agree with you, Daniel. As a person with disability, myself having cerebral palsy, I can't speak enough about how uh, high-tech companies such as Microsoft and Apple and Google are ahead of the curve already on some of the assistive technology stuff. I think too much ahead sometimes. I think sometimes I don't even understand what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they're going uh, faster than we can keep up, That's right? So I know you mentioned, sorry to cut you off there, but I know you mentioned the Hauser Brown V blog earlier and how that inspired you. So um, why don't you just touch base on that for a second? Okay. Uh, the House of Brown is on YouTube. Megan created this channel for her family with five kids. One of her sons, who was the second youngest, Lincoln, is 10, has cerebral palsy as well as hydrocephalus, which is uh, having the brain having issues draining the fluid. So he has a shunt as well. She takes time out of her day. And of course, now with what's going on, she's taking a break, as many people are in the content creators world, to show how Lincoln is incorporated with the non-disabled society. She keeps telling Lincoln, and I really love this and appreciate it, you do not have to be different. We can accommodate whatever you want so that way you can do whatever it is that you would like to do from bowling to adaptive skiing uh, to playing sports. And uh, she challenges him and encourages him to be the best that he can be because life's too short. As she says in the about section on her YouTube vlog, that we need to really see how we can uh, together to accept people with disabilities and she did a wonderful thing with one of her with her older daughter uh, Savannah to go to Lincoln's classroom to go to her youngest daughter Brooklyn's classroom to talk about Lincoln and it really helps to have a presentations on people with disabilities before they come to the classroom as a result Lincoln has made many friends and he's really happy to go to school. On one of the videos, he was talking about how he would like to carpool with uh, his own peers. And it really brought uh, a, a warm feeling to me. And, you know, I get these tears of happiness to see how people are accepting Lincoln for who he is. And I look forward to continuing to communicate with them and being friends of the family to help support their needs, which is part of why I'm doing this podcast, because disability awareness is so important. And I think people like Megan have to say, you know, this is the time with technology to bring more awareness because sadly there are people out there who just don't understand people with disabilities and mock them. And I really feel saddened when I hear this. You hit, you hit it right on the head there, Daniel. And that's exactly why I'm doing my podcast here with the Moose Lodges to bring not only awareness to individuals with disabilities, but also to bring awareness to 
those individuals that are around us and let them know that we do have a voice. And I've watched a little bit of House of Brown myself, and I, I enjoy it because it reminds me a lot of how I grew up. Um, the episode where he was skiing really uh, resonated with me, and I recommend that everybody goes into YouTube and checks out House of Brown. It's a really good Let me video. ask you, what was your favorite video? Like I told you earlier, the one where Oh, that's right. Yeah, the data ski. That was a great one. I think uh, that was one of the better videos. And it shows Lincoln that he was nervous at first. And right. then he loved it. So that's my point. Try new things. Because if you don't try new things, how do you know you like it? Right. Right. Everybody has to step outside their comfort zone every once in a while. Right, Daniel. Well, I just wanted to thank you for coming on today. You gave a unique perspective on assistive technology, and you clearly have a strong background on it. So I hope our viewers enjoyed that, and thank you again for You are on. so welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me again. We'll be in touch. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I'd like to once again thank my special guest, Daniel Hahn, for joining me today on this topic of assistive technology. I'm your host, Chris Feria, and remember, at the Moose Lodge, our antlers are always open for more content. Hello everyone, welcome to the Moose Lodge where the wheels are always spinning. This is Season 1, Episode 7, about the NFL Draft, and I'm your host, Chris Ferrier.